You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Stardom Road Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me, as always, is my good friend Trent. Trent, how are you on this fine evening slash day for you? It's evening for me, afternoon for you. I'm doing pretty okay. The sun is shining. We're slowly getting out of the uh, miserable winter into the mixed bag that is early spring. Um, I don't want to say the exciting spring because it takes a while to really get going. You know, you're still dealing with the super cold mornings and the, the flowers haven't quite blossomed yet. But, like, there is life, which is something. Baby steps. Oh, I hear. Baby steps, yeah. Yes. Um, it's just, it's night here, so that's about it. Mm. It's dark. Mm. There you go. There's <laughs> there's my outdoors today. It is dark. It's been raining a lot, actually. Too much. Too much. But Everyone I talk to, everywhere they are, it's been raining. Yeah, I recently did the Choco Cast episode, and yeah, you know, Jeff in Japan had a typhoon. Finley got caught in torrential rain at the shows and stuff. We've had a little bit of drizzle, but like, yeah, no, we yeah. had we had a lot of rain the past couple of weeks, but it's okay. You know, it's just water. You know, that's the way I look at it. But after that incredible opening conversation, I can. It's only up from here, everyone. It's only up from here that's listening. But uh, as you could tell, you know, I always, I always like to introduce these shows, and I'm like, well, if you read the title, you already have a clue. But we are back on our wrestler-dedicated shows, this time diving into the stardom career of one Chris Wolf. It will be a one-episode special talking about her run in the company, um, what she meant to the company, and many of the wrestlers. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, she is someone who is retired now, but uh, was with Stardom for quite a few years and was a big part in many ways, even if, you know, she wasn't world champion or anything. She still played a big part in her own special way. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into this one. Yeah, the the Chris Wolf, like... It, it, when you compare it to the names we have done so far in the wrestler-centric episodes, we've looked at Arisa Hoshiki, looked at Hana Kimura, we've looked at Himeka. Ironically, none of them have been world champions, admittedly. But like the the level of where you see them at on like if you're doing an all-time list of where they would sit in terms of strength and stuff, Chris Wolf isn't on their level. But I do think it's important when we're talking about the history of stardom and going through all the different cast of colourful characters that have walked through these uh, the dojo's doors, not everyone is going to be a big-time main event and not everyone is going to have the legacy of, like, a world champion tier wrestler. But that doesn't change someone's value or why you would cover them on an episode like this. And I think Chris Wolf maybe arguably is the perfect example of what stardom Road is all about. Because if you want to know about Hana Kimura, there's like 100,000 articles being written, many of them by us, um, talking about her impact and, and you should read what them. she means. And you <laughs> should. Same with Arisa, same with Hameka. Chris Wolf isn't necessarily someone who's going to get that same level of coverage, but if you're diving through the archives of stardom, you're going to see her name pop up a lot just through the different multi-man matches. And you know, she was a part of this company for about three and a half years, which when you look especially in the first block of stardom's history that's a fairly decent length of time even before you start considering the fact she's a foreigner which makes that all the more impressive and makes you ask well okay why was she here for that long what impact did she have and it's what stardom road is here for yeah i like to i think the best way to like look at her importance is she was she's someone we found worthy of having an episode you know Mm. And obviously, we're not like the end-all be-all to make that decision. But we felt like an early episode. I think that's been more fitting. You know, we've only done, like you said, so many so many wrestlers episodes. And hmm. this is actually one of the first episodes Trent thought of 
when we were going over them at the very beginning of all this. So I think that's kind of cool that we have gotten to that point. Now we are talking about Chris Wolf, of course, uh, someone who, um, you, you know, like you said, the first foreigner we're discussing um, and an important foreigner at that. I think mm. uh, her impact and, you know, being a long-term one kind of, we don't get them a lot. But we're seeing Tekla, obviously, in current day stardom. She's a long-term foreigner. Of course, she was doing uh, ice ribbon before stardom. But that's kind of the impact. It's not a, It's not a impact of we get all these long-term foreigners. But when we do, they, they fit in so well mm. to the roster that, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't have that era without them. And I think we're, you know, that's kind of the impact that Chris Wolf had and especially with the Uedo tie and, you know, Uedo tie was so important with Chris Wolf in it. So it should be a lot of fun to kind of dive into that, how she got into wrestling in the first place and um, so on and so forth. So I'm excited to uh, do all that. Yeah. And look, the beautiful thing with covering a foreigner is when they do interviews, we have, access to them we don't need to be running them through translators and understanding that you know there's certain language barriers and google translate is not the be all and end all in making sense of everything we can look at the interviews she's had over the years and actually bring it into discussion here which i do think adds a little bit of extra flavor that we can't always do with a lot of the stardom talent we might talk about so you know we're able to d- dive into her history a little bit and yeah you know, i think again when we're talking about foreigners in japan it's not just a matter of oh how did they get into wrestling it is actually quite a valuable resource in examining why certain foreigners are there long-term, certain foreigners are there mid-term, and some just kind of pop in for a cup of coffee or, I guess, in Japan to be a cup of green tea. Yeah, so uh, I think, and, and you know, my knowledge of Chris Wolf and your knowledge of Chris Wolf are very different, and I think that's why this will be um, an intriguing episode for those to hear. Um, you know, I know more of Chris Wolf than I'm sure a lot of new people do that watch stardom mm. uh because of course i went back and watched but most of what i watch were always like you know promo segments like you know the way i had so many great backstage moments and chris wolf again key part of that key part of just the the liveliness of that group um so again i'm kind of excited to explore it hearing it from you and then kind of giving my own thoughts on it so uh yeah i'm uh I'm ready to go. It's a fun little uh, case study, I guess, because you're coming in as someone who, by the time you started following Stardom, she wasn't a part of the Stardom system. She'd left a couple of years prior. And although that is the case with a couple of wrestlers we've covered already, you know, Arisa and Hannah both technically were on the outs just when you were starting to get into it, it's a lot easier to go back and consume their content because of the type of wrestler they were. Um, For myself, growing, you know, getting into Stardom, she had already been in the company for a little while. And so I kind of got to see her as it was happening. And mm-hmm. it does provide certain different insights, especially covering a character like Chris Wolf rather than your main eventers and top tiers. Because there's little intricacies that maybe, you know, not saying I'm the be all and end all of knowledge here because I'm not, but I following it through, you get to see certain things that you just can't going back yeah. and looking at it. But it provides a nice sort of contrast and concept, which I think works for podcasts like this. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We're here to do something like this. So uh, as everyone can probably tell, Trent will be uh, leading the way here. And uh, so, Trent, without further ado, let's talk about Chris Wolf and her career in start. Yeah, so I think the the base thing to start off with is Chris Wolf is someone who joined the company around the end of uh, 2014. It was in August 10th that she made her debut. And it's interesting because, again, you're already sort of chucking the mould out the window for a lot of perceptions when it comes to Joshi wrestling in particular. She came in and debuted a couple of days prior to her 30th birthday. Uh, she came into uh, the business not as a wrestling fan. Her knowledge of wrestling prior was like the Hulk Hogan's and the Ric Flair's, that basic, you know, big bodybuilder stuff and, you know, the, the Midwest and the American scene. And her introduction to Joshi Wrestling was literally a friend showing it to her saying, do you want to do this? Because she was in Japan. She had been teaching English. She got sick of it like a lot of people who moved to Japan to teach English, they get sick of the job. Um, but to stick in Japan, you've got to have work. You've got to find something to do. 
And so the friend kind of showed her some uh, uh, Joshi. And the first match she remembers seeing was uh, Yoshiko versus Natsuki Taya. And then she saw Akjasakawa versus Kari Hojo. And from those matches, she was interested enough to give it a go. She messaged Stardom and said, hey, how do I how do I become a wrestler? In her best Google translated Japanese. And uh, they wrote back and said, come to a show. If you're interested, come join us, train. And when you pass the test, you can be a pro wrestler. And Chris Wolf, like, one thing you'll pick up with her, both as a character and a person outside of the ring, this whole process is very Chris Wolf. Yeah, I'll give it a go. See what happens. Let's see if we can have some fun with it. Her going to Japan was very much like that. She got out of a, a relationship breakup that you know was very tough, and she went to Japan because she had a friend over there and she'd seen some anime. So why not go over there? She cycled around the country because eh, I can't afford things. I'm just going to cycle. Uh, and then you see her get into wrestling, and it's like you know she in an interview with Vice on the the wrestlers documentary, which is one of the sort of things you can go back to looking at her uh, talking about the industry. Like she talks about wearing the makeup, the, you know, the, the double, the double markings on her face. And so I just tried it one day. It looked kind of fun, looked different. People said it looked cool. So I kept doing it. This is Chris Wolf in a nutshell. She just kind of does things. She tries things and has fun with it. And pro wrestling served to be an outlet for her, for her, outward ways for her outlandish character and it just kind of fit the pro wrestling scene so she dove in and gave it a go and i I think that mindset is one that so many fans can connect to Mm. you know whether it's in their everyday life you know whether it's you know the very start of trying to get away from something or just kind of being like no give it a shot you know like I think a lot of people get into wrestling with that mindset truthfully you know you watch one thing you're like Oh, that's pretty good. I'll give this a shot. And then, yeah. you know, you end up here in many ways. It's, I think that's how a lot of people do it. You know, you, you watch something, you, you maybe play something and then you're like, okay. And then, you know, next step, next step. And there you are for her. It went from, Oh, this is pretty good to, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. I'll yeah. do it myself. No big deal. And well, I'm a hundred percent sure the system is not the same to get into stardom anymore, <laughs> where you're like, yeah, I'll just send an email and go work. Um, I'm grateful that she did because it's very fitting of her story. It's very fitting mm. of her character, right? Just kind of be like, yeah, I'll send an email, see what happens. You know, like I, I just love that part of her story because I think it makes you connect with her that much more when watching. Um, because I think any wrestler that you can have that kind of connection to, which isn't always easy, especially like you said earlier, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a Joshi. We don't always understand what people are saying and things like that. We do our best, you know, get, get translated interviews mm. with, with Chris Wolf, even just knowing the story, it, you know, it's just, it's an extra step for us. You know, we didn't have to go through all these things to figure that out. And, uh, I love I love the idea, you know, with that Vice interview of the okay, you know, they look cool, they look cool. I thought I was like, oh, this is different, and they look cool. I think that's that is the embodiment of Chris Wolf. That is the embodiment of what she brought to the table. And I'll say it: I think every company could use a Chris Wolf. Absolutely. Like the thing is, you someone someone like Chris Wolf isn't going to come in and become a world champion in most promotions. Yeah, you know, she won some championships. She won a championship in Stardom. She won some outside of, but like she doesn't fit the typical bill. She wasn't a main event caliber wrestler. She was five foot nothing. She even looked small compared to the kids in wrestling. Like you see her in a match with young Azumi, like when Azumi is like fifteen and so, and like they're the same height. Whereas Chris Wolf is a 30-year-old woman, like there, there's very much a hard ceiling on what a character like her can accomplish. But that doesn't mean you don't need wrestlers like her. Not everyone in wrestling is going to be a main event level wrestler. And there is value in someone who can play the role. It's like in basketball. You don't have a team of five Michael Jordans or LeBron James. You need the role players in the, the system to make everything work. The best comparison today, and I, I you know, she's accomplished more. Mm. Um, but I always call Saki Kashima a role player because yeah. you put her in a role, she's going to deliver, right? You know, Saki Kashima is again not someone that's built to be a world champion, mm. but she's built to, and you know, as of this recording, she's holding the high speed title, 
it's it's stuff like that. It goes so far for these wrestlers. Just being able to, oh, you need me in this trios match and I can step up, I'll do that. You need me to even just be a second, I can do that. Mm. It's little things like that. It's why Saki Kashima is so beloved now. It's she took a lot of what you know Chris Wolf did for a long time there. You know, Saki was in and then out. So, you know. Mm. I'm sure she learned one way or the other how to be that role player, but that's the best comparison today. And it's, it's, it's perfect timing. Cause of course, Saki Kashima got that, you know, deserved singles title reign that she earned much like Chris mm. Wolf did. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Chris Wolf, her highest accomplishment in stardom was that high speed title. Impressively, she beat Mayu Watani and Kagetsu in the same match, pinning both of them at the same time, mind you, to win that title. Which, much bigger than that exactly and saki um, kashima beat the longest reigning high speed champion we don't have to we'll ignore who she pinned but she did that uh, she did and three the longest, people in that match she Two ended legends the great of the reign. that's all that matters that's that's what the record books say who did it go from it went from azumi to saki kashima just like for chris wolf i think that's fantastic yeah and I think part of what made Chris Wolf, you, you mentioned the accessibility and the relatability of a Chris Wolf, and I think it's especially worth mentioning as foreigners, as a Western, as Westerners going into a Japanese product and watching, as much as like you know we list our favourite wrestlers in stardom, and we generally have to go down a decent way to start hitting all the foreigners that are coming in. Yeah. I think Mariah May done a fantastic job to establish herself there, but typically we're going through Mayu Watani's and Julia's and all of that. It takes a while to get there. But what a foreigner does do is if you're coming into a promotion and you haven't, you're not used to Japanese wrestling, not used to Joshi wrestling, there is a certain comfort in going, oh, that's someone like me. You know, they speak my language. I can understand them. Um, and that's sort of what Chris Wolf was able to do. And she was there for three and a half, nearly four years. So for a lot of people, this is from 2014 to the start of 2018. For a lot of people, this is your, you know, if you came in start them around this time, which is when the freedom was starting to dominate. So, you know, a lot of people came in to start them around this time from the outside. So, ah. Uh, there's the foreigner I can connect with, I can relate to. You had others coming in. You had Viper coming in. You had Tony Storm coming in. But Chris Wolf was always there. She lived in Japan. She was there for every single show pretty much. And you build up that connection and understanding. It also helps she was in Aweto Tai. But yeah, that, that connection right. and relatability is massive. Yeah, I can't stress enough being in that version of Aweto Tai. Yes. That, that version was so popular. And with that, I think it just made it all the better for Chris, you know, uh, because e even like when you get foreigners over, I, I think it always, you know, it always depends on whether they're there, of course, hmm. you know, Chris checked that box, like you said, always there, but it's also who are they paired with? Right. Who hmm. are they, are they, are they doing the most? in many ways to make those relationships on camera. Cause for a lot of us, that's all we're seeing, you know, yeah. whether <laughs> we're not seeing what they're doing at home and training, we're not seeing that for us. It's I'm going to make my opinion based off what I see on camera. And you always felt that with Chris Wolf and you feel that, like you said, you said Mariah may now you felt that she made the most of her time with club Venus and, I think that's the most important thing to getting over with fans worldwide. Mm. You, 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 and you see that nationally, like forget, forget worldwide. You even yeah. just see that with them, because if, if they can feel that you're happy to be there, you're grateful to be there, you care to be there, they're going to give you their appreciation. And Chris Wolf was very smart. And she jokes about how she came up with the character. Was she just kind of, you know, Rossi after her training said, "Okay, so what's your wrestling name?" And she's like, "Uh, Chris Wolf." And it's just like, "Okay, we'll run with that. Whatever." Yeah, good name. Yeah, and it works. And she dove into the gimmick because yeah, you know, it came about partially in that training session. And she mentions this in the inter in an interview she did while she was doing her test to pass and become a wrestler she pinned Maya Watani and when she's doing it she's kind of let out a oh which of course became a very signature part for her gimmick moving forward as a Chris Wolf character and that kind of led her into coming up with Chris Wolf the black wolf of Oweno Tai should become and you see her doing her thing in the ring and going back and watching some of these matches preparing for this episode 
I forgot how loud the crowd would actually get for her. Now, obviously, it was at its best in the Shinkiba and the Kurokan Hall. Like it always is, the closer you are to Tokyo, the stronger the fan base is, knows your gimmick, knows your style. Throughout the matches she's having in Kurokan Hall and Shinkiba, you hear the crowd doing the little wolf calls and stuff. Yeah. And it's such a small thing, mm-hmm. but when you're trying to get yourself over and just trying to find every little advantage for someone who doesn't speak the language, you know, she knows very little Japanese by her own account. She wished she'd learned it more getting yourself over with the foreign audience like that. You need those kind of little gimmicks for them to latch onto. Yeah. yeah she's not going to deliver a Mina Shirakawa heartfelt Japanese promo to the crowd, but she can get over with that little wolf gimmick. It's very visual and the audible. You don't need English. You don't need Japanese. You just need to hear it and respond. Again, Role player. Hmm. That is such an important role that so many people overlook. And she was so good at it. You know, getting over just by doing the little wolf things and having the crowd do that back. Um, I, again, I like to compare for the fans that are watching now, kind of like Wakasukiyama got mm. over. She's, you know, she's not she's not going to be a main event star. She, she may never even win a title. But she got over by being herself one way or the other, getting over, uh, being true. You know, her character ultimately ended up being more of a emotional character, which mm. is a little bit different. But but in the same sense, that is what you need. Yep. And if you are one of the very best, whether you are at the top of the card or the bottom card, you're going to make people care. And that's what Chris Wolf did. Absolutely. And I think it's important to look at it too. Like She was with the company for three and a half to four years. Mm-hmm. Stardom didn't need to keep her on that long if they felt like she wasn't worth it. You know, she established herself, she made a name for herself, and even though she wasn't a main eventer and wasn't going to be a main eventer, she did what she needed to do to build that audience and build that trust. You know, she came in, she was a part of uh, Kimura Monster Goon. From there, she joined the very original iteration of Oedo Tai. She's one of the group's longest-serving members, at least prior to the modern era, where I feel like there's been a lot of stability with yeah. that group. But prior to Natsuka Tora taking over, the only person who was in Oedo Tai longer was Kagetsu. Everyone else came and went earlier, quicker. Yeah. She was there for a long time and saw the evolution of that group from being Kimura Monster Goon to being sort of a mashup of foreigners coming in and established heels and villains to the golden era, which I think most people, that's their first memories of pre-modern Oedo Tai. Kigetsu, Natsu Samir, Hana Kimura, Tam Nakano, and Chris Wolf is right there with them. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I know Chris Wolf. Mm-hmm. I, I know. And, I, and of course, I came in after. I always remember the first time I was told about Chris Wolf. I had no idea who she was. I was just going back into my archives watching. And I think I, I don't remember how it came up, but the person I was talking to is like, oh, you know, Chris Wolf's great or whatever. And, you know, I learned half of these people retired as I'm going through. <laughs> and the way the way I was, you know, she was hyped up. I was expecting one thing. And I was like, because as I had gotten into Joshi, I was just watching all these great wrestlers and mm. ring wise, just, you know, these great hard hitting matches. First Chris Wolf match. I see him like time out. This is a change. This is a change. <laughs> and, and I think that, but, but it, it gave you the full, again, gave you the full package of stardom in mm. many ways, especially during that era. It wasn't always the big, and more, even more so nowadays rather than back then. Back then had the goofiness, had the playfulness a little bit more. But ultimately, in the end, you know, stardom's still about the big-time matches. But mm. when you can get something or someone like Chris Wolf who can give you a little bit of everything, again, step up into that those roles, you get a great appreciation. I know I did. I know mm-hmm. I did, especially because I went in thinking one thing. You know, I just thought Chris Wolf. I was like, oh, this is going to probably be like this you know, terrifying badass. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And it was great. It was a great, like, shock for me. Because I was yeah. like, oh, well, this is so much better than, you know, just like, because you, you just hear the name. I didn't get any other really description. I was just like, oh, she's great. So I'm like, okay. And I just assume a million different other things instead. But instead you uh, got this five foot nothing girl, you know, shorter than the kids, running around in a wolf tail and uh oh, sticking the middle finger at everyone. It was great. I mean, it it was the perfect compliment to everyone else in that group. Mm. And look, 
when you see a lot of Chris Wolf matches, they do tend to be in the lower car and she's working with the kids, but it's all about building entertainment because important though. Yeah. That's a very yes. important role. If like, cause I think a lot of people coming to stardom and I know I did when I started watching stardom, I stuck with the main wrestlers I knew in the main events and the big matches. And it took me a while to go from that to watching full shows. If you have just only trainees and only bland characters finding themselves in the undercard, no one's going to stick around and watch. But if you've got someone like a Chris Wolf to add that entertainment factor, add that uniqueness to it, it, it gives you a bit more reason to pay attention and watch beyond just let's see where these people go and grow. Natsu Samir is another ex- perfect example in this kind of role. She wasn't a main event caliber wrestler in stardom, but whether you put her in the main event acting as the pin taker or the person to get beat up, or you put her in the opening couple of matches working the undercard and the kids, she served the role that it provided a lot of value, not only for them growing up, growing through, but for the audience and getting entertained by a full picture show. And Chris Wolf did that exact same thing. She'd been in the multi-man main events with Oedo Tai, and she'd come in, do her little things, get her ass kicked, and it was all good fun. Or she'd be in the opening card, she'd be wrestling the kids, getting her ass kicked, occasionally getting one up on them themselves. Uh, but when you needed her to put on a little bit of a show, she was good enough in the ring that you could still be entertained. And mm-hmm. you know, some of the matches that we will recommend moving forward, you know, if you wanted to see what Chris Wolf was all about, it's a nice mix of the comedy with doing enough in the ring to still be worth watching beyond just seeing the character work. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you kind of nailed it on the head there, especially in um, explaining what kind of role and what, and what she took on, because again, being able to step up or, you know, not play down, but play to the rookies and the, and the kids like that is, like I said, a very, it's a very important aspect that I think, overall people will kind of just overlook especially now because most of the kids are just mixed in you know it's mm, not like mm. they're not usually really op- like they'll open the shows but like they'll be with veterans most of the time yeah um like they'll be like shuri and it's like oh okay um <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they they're more pushed into the mix and uh you know maybe playing against the lower card like yeah that. but again yeah it's important and you know someone like her you know she she's smart she's able you know she was you know being a teacher i know she taught english but i I just think like that mindset even like you're gonna teach these people kind of just teach them the ropes teach them how to Mm. do the little things in you know your five minute match yeah, the thing with stardom, I think, and you know, a lot of promotions, I think especially with stardom, because you've got such a strong uh, traineeship base, you know, the, the people training you are some of the best in the world. And oh, you know, yeah. when Chris Wolf came in, you know, she was trained by Fuka, which most of that generation were trained by Fuka. And it's wonderful going back and seeing what Chris Wolf has to say about Fuka. They seem to have a very special little connection. Um, and I think especially for Chris Wolf, having Fuka there was a big deal. Then she got trained by Nanai Takahashi. Obviously, you know, when she debuted and as she was going through, the ghastly match happened, Nanai Takahashi left. In the aftermath of that, Io Shirai took over all of the training roles. So, I mean, just there you've got three tremendous wrestlers training you and teaching you in different styles as well. So, like, you've got that traineeship base there. Most people going through stardom are going to become competent wrestlers at a bare minimum. If you're yeah. good enough to stick around for a couple of years and make it on the shows and stuff, you're going to be a competent wrestler and do well pretty much anywhere. Yeah. I think developing character is far less a guarantee. And mm-hmm. that's not a knock on the stardom system. That's just the reality. Like Doing physical actions, I think, is probably easier for a lot of people compared to coming up with a compelling character and gimmick that will get over with the fans. Working with a Chris Wolf, working with him in the ring, seeing how they incorporate everything, seeing how they work the crowd with their gimmicks is such a valuable tool for these young wrestlers. And that's Mm -hmm. why, like, you're looking at your Fukigan Deaths right now, your Kogamas right now, Natsu Samir from a couple of years ago in stardom, Chris Wolf back then. That's so valuable. Because the wrestlers coming in, they can see how the gimmick, the character stuff works and gets you over. You can work with your Shuri's, you can work with your Momo Watanabe's and learn what it's like to do wrestling right in the ring. Um, but learning character, I think you really need a lot of reps with those experienced people. Yeah. So having a Chris Wolf there, huge advantage. 
yeah it's it, it's it's a lot harder to teach charisma and to teach that side of wrestling you know mm-hmm. so there's so often like when you watch wrestlers now and you see like oh they have this you know they have the charisma they have they have personality they just it, they can work on the other thing mm-hmm. a lot easier you know yeah. the wrestling part it comes to everyone you know I always use Unagi Sayaka for an example on that. She always had the charisma, right? The character mm. that was going to connect with people. She could work on the wrestling and that's what she did. Right. Yeah. That is, that is like, that is so, I think if you don't really think about it, especially in the world of Joshi, because, you know, we, again, as, as international fans that we are, you know, we aren't always able to understand, you know, so it's character work that makes us understand. Mm-hmm. And again, while Chris Wolf could speak English, still character work goes so far because you're then then the wrestlers that they're working off of are going to have character. You know, they're going to develop their character and so on and so forth. And we see that so much in today's stardom, I think, with certain veterans. You know, you named the Fukigan Death. Um, I'll even say like May Sarah is a perfect one. Now you want a newer mm. person that you know that kind of has like this goofier character, and you you may not know what she's saying, but you could figure out by actions and things that she does what she's doing, what she's thinking, and that's just so important. Again, so important to build those characters, build those just these roles that will connect with all audiences because the wrestling is going to, you know, the wrestling is the wrestling, right? Yeah. Guess what? Every company has some great wrestlers, you know, not every company has a great crop of characters hmm. and personalities. And I think that's just something that has pushed stardom to the point they're at. Yeah. And it comes from top to bottom. And I think with Chris Wolf especially, it's kind of interesting to look at because you've got several different factors at work there. Chris Wolf is a very naturally outgoing, outlandish, excitable kind mm-hmm. of person. She's coming into Japan as a foreigner where you're going to have the language barrier, you're going to have the cultural barriers, and that kind of character might work in a ring but doesn't always work behind the scenes. So she had to kind of work around coming in with one personality, going through training in another way, um, and then going back into the ring, doing something different again. You know, it's interesting, again, in one of the interviews she did, she was talking about how, like, you know, with Fuku, you could have a bit of a laugh with her. When the night Takahashi was training you, you didn't really crack jokes. You waited to see if they and the veterans cracked jokes. And if they started doing it, you might join in, but you didn't initiate that kind of thing. And then with Io Shirai, it was a little bit different again. But when she started wrestling, she, you know, in the training, she was kind of a little bit quieter, just let everything happen. I don't understand what they're saying. Let's just let the culture work through. Then she joined the wrestling and Kyoko took her under the wing and basically said, you know, let your character out. You know, be be what you need to be in the ring. Be that boisterous, be outlandish. Show that to the people to get back over. It would be such a difficult thing to be kind of bouncing back and forth between who you are, what you have to do behind the scenes, what you have to do in person, and you know, dealing with the cultural barrier, dealing with the language barriers. It's such a fascinating situation, which, again, we're very fortunate to have a little bit of a peek behind the curtains with these English language interviews that Chris Wolf did. Um, but it, it's such a fascinating look behind the curtain, and I think it's worth talking about and discussing and reaching yeah. through. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Chris Wolf herself, like, yeah, she sort of came through. Her highlight was definitely the high-speed championship mm-hmm. match, you know, winning against Kagetsu Mayuritani, and that was her shining moment. She joined the five-star Grand Prix, had a couple of runs there. Not the most <laughs> impressive uh, performances. One year had hard. Yes. One, one year she scored zero points. Next year she scored one point. Final year she scored two points in twenty. That's building. If she was still wrestling, she'd be in contention right now. Yeah, well, what, what, we're in, you know, that's like seven years ago. So basically she'd what, be about 10 points now. That's, that's in not contention. She it's, would have lost the Red Stars block already, but that's in contention. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's 
kind of a, it's a sad thing to kind of look at now. It's like she's found herself in the golden era at Otai, and unfortunately, she left the company in 2018. She did a final year on the independent scene, eventually retiring due to Eve, right? Yeah, she did a lot of work with Eve, um, and eventually retired ultimately due to concussions. Um, mm-hmm. It is a little sad. Like you look at, you know, she was with the company basically for four years. Her final match in the company was a retirement gauntlet, which is kind of the done thing in stardom. The only difference is it wasn't her retirement gauntlet. Um, it was Her- Hiromi Memorials, who is another character we will no doubt do an episode like this Love on. Love Hiromi uh, Oh, she's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, like, she came in, she did her part, and when she left, she just kind of left with a whimper, not a bang. And I yeah. remember at the time people kind of being confused because, like, you know, you having this big retirement stuff, Romy Murray did the gauntlet and then she had a big final shelter at Currican Hall. And Chris Wolf just kind of faded off into the distance. And mm. it was sad, you know, not getting yeah. that proper send-off. Don't know the full story, but I do. The impression I got was like she was probably feeling she was about done with wrestling in that uh, the wrestlers interview on Vice. Um, mm-hmm. I have mixed opinions about that documentary, um, but you do get a good insight again with Chris Wolf speaking and stuff. That was recorded around the time of the 2017 Five Star Grand Prix based on the footage they're showing. The fact that she left about six, eight months later. I think hearing her talk in that interview, you kind of sense like the time was coming up. You know, she mm-hmm. spoke about how no matter how long you're in Japan as a foreigner, you always feel like a foreigner. And there's just mm-hmm. that cultural blockage there. It's very difficult for someone to move over there and truly ingratiate them into society, no matter how hard they work. You just always feel like a foreigner. You always feel separated. Um, yeah. And it is interesting, like, now we look at a lot of foreigners now coming into stardom, whether it's for eight to ten month tours like Mariah May, whether they're trying to be there for a couple of years. You know, Tekla's been in Japan for a long time now. Yeah. Others coming in for short tours. It does open, like, a very interesting window into the unique challenges that a foreign wrestler has getting over in Japan, especially when you're talking Joshin, like, you don't have the full backing of maybe a, a New Japan does. Yeah, yeah. Um... A lot of a lot of factors to hit there, so I will go. I'll go back to uh, initially, you know, the way you know she went out. I think for a lot of people, it makes sense why you'd be upset. You know, she she made a lot of fans. She made mm. a lot of fans. Again, this is why we're doing the episode because if you're a longtime Stardom fan, you're likely a fan of what Chris Wolf accomplished chris wolf did and and for me the the ability to connect with chris wolf came through her style you know being a high speed wrestler i always think it's the easiest like style to make someone want to watch that's why i always am like well you know watch azami you know Mm. does pretty good at it you know it's like and i think that's like it works for chris wolf because then you add the goofier side in you know the 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 comedic side and it's like oh this is a different flavor you know it, it is what kaori onayama has pretty much perfected in her stardom career she does it you know as good as anyone but koguma you know since she's come back she does it really well of course we know koguma goes serious and you know mm. she could be one of the very best but still that it, it is a role that works so perfectly well the amount of people and i think this would have went for chris had she been around now compared to then the amount of people i talked to are like oh Fugi, that's so you know dumb but i love her you know it's like i love the character when i say dumb it's like you know she just does the that every single match you mm. know it's gonna come but you love it every time even all these you know she's been a clown forever but, you know it's like I think Chris Wolf would have had even more of an impact because she did that, you know, but you know, there was a little more than just the, the, the clown aspect of Fuki and death, right. Of like things like that. It would have been a lot like Kogum, I think for a lot mm. of people, because a lot of people love that. So just on that part, I think you put, if you were to pick up Chris Wolf and put her into current star, and while it is a very different world now, should fit in like a glove because i think she could have so many great comedic spots with so much of the roster who when they get to do it are so good at it mm-hmm. um about you know the concussion things you know that's always so upsetting um that and we've seen what so many wrestlers end 
because not because they want to, because they have to. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the with the foreigner stuff, I I just that's my one sad part. You know, she had such a great long run in stardom. That's the one thing, and I I don't know how she feels about this, so I'm not speaking for her. We'd love to talk to her sometimes. She ever listens to this? You know, I just want would love to talk to you, Chris Wolf. Uh, have to work out the Norwegian time difference for us. That'd be a very unique situation. Yeah, it's called. I would. We would both accept waking up or doing whatever. I we would probably be more on your guys' time than mine. Um, I would have to take it out. It's fine. I'm used to it. Anyways, my point is, is that I think or I hope. That even if she didn't get the send off from Stardom that we would have wanted, that she knows she made such an impact on so many fans, and I'm sure so much of the roster that even without that, people still are talking about her here in 2023. She's been mm. she's been out of Stardom for five years now, over five years, almost six years, and we we're sitting here recording an episode about her. Like I, I, I hope even if she didn't get that farewell, that she knows like she made that impact. Like that's the big thing for me because when 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 wrestlers don't get to end their careers the way they want to, you just hope that they know like the fans really appreciated what mm-hmm. they put into it. You know, we we did an you know, episode on Risa Shiki. Like that, you know, injuries injuries happen unfortunately, yeah. and. We've hit the gamut. We've done people who didn't get a send off, and then we had Himika. Yeah, Him- Himika made up for everyone. Uh, <laughs> she had the seven month retirement ceremony. Uh, she got two retire, three retirement matches. Actually, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, but it, but like that's that's the part though, right? Like mm. when they do get their chance to retire the right way, they get such a great send off. So I hope, even though that Chris Wolf didn't get that from stardom or her career, ultimately, she knows that you know. Or I think I, I think her last Eve match is a big gauntlet, though, right? Yeah, she she, so got she a did get a send off, uh, an independent send off. Yes, there. just um, I mean, I guess I mean in stardom though. Like I, course, I wish, yeah. you know, that's ultimately what I mean. I, I don't know how many people watched independent Chris Wolf after the fact. Mm. I don't know how easy it was to find Eve back in 2018 or whatever it was um 2019 i think uh but you know overall i just hope that she knows that you know she made this impact on stardom stardom has a very long history now a lot of a lot of amazing characters wrestlers so on she was one yeah it's i know like she was able to identify that she did have a solid fan base especially international like she you know by her own admission, she noted like Japanese fans got involved with the gimmick and got in, you know, played along with it, but it was probably more the international fan base. People like myself who came into stardom, you know, slowly dipping their feet in the water and then seeing a character that they were able to understand and follow and sort of get. Um, and especially Golden Era Wedotai, cannot stress this enough, were so over with the international fan base at this time. Um, everyone just adored what they did. And Chris Wolf obviously was a big part of that. Um, so I, I know she recognized like the, the international fans who followed stardom, how much they enjoyed her work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, the main thing you hope for is she feels like her work was respected and enjoyed as much as it was, and that she was able to go on and live a happy post-wrestling life. And thankfully, all reports are she's very happy in Norway with her partner doing Chris Wolf things. So it is a happy sort of story, happy finish and all of that. Um, but it is fun to go back and look at the history of Chris Wolf and the character of Chris Wolf and the impact that she has on the wrestling scene because you're absolutely right when you said, like, Chris Wolf, if you transported her into 2023 stardom, would still fit in like a glove. You know, the wrestling level, she would be on the lower end of the high-speed talent, um, but her character work would get her booked. Whether she was doing stuff with the current era of Oedo Tai, which I could see her fitting in wonderfully with, I could see her being a pin take on a Donna Del Mondo, being that hyperactive, not the Natsapoi character, but that kind of excitable lower-card presence for them. I could see her filling that kind of role as well. Um, I, yeah, she would fit in, and honestly, she'd fit in with the wrestling scene better in 2023. Mm. Like, I, I was watching her matches, and like, I was just thinking, imagine if Choco Pro was running back then. You yeah. chuck her in Choco Pro, and she fits like a glove. 
Chucker in AEW is like a lower card comedy act for them in the women's division. Yeah. She would get over with that crowd because that oh, crowd absolutely. really digs that kind of character heavy, gimmick heavy stuff that really just clicks. Now, she would get over in those situations. The I current Eve situation great, she'd do great in as well. Right. I think that's a great point. She <laughs> Thinking of like the current wrestling landscape, she would be so over. Mm. <laughs> you know, like even if it wasn't stardom, like you said, that that character because that you know then she could back it up in the ring Hmm. it would do wonders so i i even think of that so yeah it's a great it's a great call there um and and i think i think for me like the reason i ultimately love what was accomplished in her career is again you know she did so many things while it wasn't all titles and stuff, she still did so many things that are such key parts of Star mm. history. Um, and you know, I'm not gonna if anyone's listening to this and you want to see like Chris Wolf outside the ring, just like go watch any Oedo Tai promo ever. Yeah, just like it's it's just so fantastic it's why if you listen to like if you ever saw people tweet about this when you got into star over the past couple years like how people were upset about no more pre-match promos Mm. it's because of what a way was doing with their pre-match promos so just go and like find those it's pretty easy find a way to tie match from that era watch it it you know you're just gonna get something even if it's like nothing it's something you know yeah, it's funny, like, because you look back at a lot of the pre-match promos and you could tell they were kind of just filling a bit of a hole. You go in, oh, you say yeah. a couple of things, you move forward. And it's funny how many people yearn for that. And part of it, I think, is people like us who don't speak Japanese, you know, stardom, they subtitled that. So yes. we got a bit of an insight into what the characters were saying, what they were doing before a match. Very valuable stuff. But a lot of it was like, I'm going to do my best, this person's yep. mean, you know, fighting, that kind of stuff. I went out I just took it and ran with it. And whether it was the yeah. group promos where they're all kind of feeding off of each other or the individual stuff where the character stuff to shine, they were so funny and so good. And Chris Wolf was at the heart of that. And realistically, like most people, that when you say Chris Wolf, their first image of Chris Wolf is going to be these pre-match promos, talking about, you know, that she likes the taste of meat and that she wants to eat little children before going out and fighting like a 13-year-old Ruaka and a 15-year-old Azumi. <laughs> like this is, that was at the heart of it. And yeah. bouncing off, especially Hanakamura, you know, those, like, it's almost cheating to say, oh, this person in Oedotai had a good connection with Hana. But it's true. Chris Wolf and Hana played off of each other masterfully. Her and Getsu played off of each other masterfully. Even like, I was watching a Chris Wolf versus Momo Watanabe match, and this is when Tam was manager, and they were doing stuff together, and Tam would bring Peach, Peach, Peachan up and, you know, feasting on Momo. She held her against the ropes and stuff. And it's just the little interactions. Yeah, if you want to know why Chris Wolf was popular, don't skip the pre-match promos. Bingo. Never, yeah. never, ever skip. Well, never skip pre-match promos as is hmm. if you're watching some old stuff. But uh, definitely, definitely, if you if you hear this episode, and you want to go watch Chris Wolf. Those will only help. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 matter of fact. But uh, I guess we should uh, give. Give the good people some matches to watch of Chris Wolf's career. Yeah. So the good thing is a lot of, I think Chris Wolf at her best was in 2017. You know, mm. just before she'd wrapped things up with retirement, with stardom. And, you know, she'd been in the business long enough to find her groove as a wrestler. So my recommendations are all kind of centered around that period, but it's with good reason. The first is, you can probably guess, the high-speed championship match that she had. It was Chris Wolf versus Kagetsu versus Mayu Uitani. This is at Kurokan Hall, February 23, 2017. You get a wonderful mix of character work, of comedy, but that high-speed wrestling. You know, you see yeah. the the sort of the DNA of what you get with your Azumis and Starlight Kids and that's the poise now in 2023 in how they were working. this very fast, lots of little spot-heavy stuff. And then you get the Golden Arrow Edo Tide doing their thing, you mm-hmm. know, just if I can swear, shit housery, you know, the, <laughs> the elastic band tape, the you know, Hanukamura tripping Mayo uh, at ringside and stuff. It's 
incredibly entertaining. It's the high point of her career, which is another reason why I recommendation recommend it, but it is a really good match. And my other recommendation is also involves uh, Hannah Kimura. It's their five-star Grand Prix match at Currican Hall, September 18, 2017. This is just very gimmick and uh, comedy heavy. But again, it's Oedotai versus Oedotai, which is always, you know, must-watch television as far as I'm concerned. And the whole thing is built around Hannah Kimura taunting and teasing Chris Wolf with meat, actual literal meat. It's you, you, you might have seen GIFs and clips of it uh, yeah. roaming around in there. It's just a lot of fun. It's, it's classic stardom from this era. Yeah, there's some good wrestling just mixed in with a lot of fun. Yeah, so I got two matches as well. First, I said this to Trent. And he's like, "Really?" <laughs> the first one is I because we did a we talked about it on an episode. But does everyone remember the gauntlet tag that I talked about? Um, that was fantastic. Uh, it's the ten person tag, January two thousand eighteen. Yes, uh, Chris Wolf was in that of all of eight seconds. It was Vernazmi <laughs> that started the match off, but. I can't stress enough how important that role is because it just creates an entire feeling for the rest of the match for Wado Tai, right? It becomes almost desperation mm. from there. And it's just so important because it, it's like, oh my God, what happened? It, it's yeah. the beauty of the shock pin. It's the beauty of the, really what Azumi so good at, but what high-speed wrestling is so good at as well. Um, so watch that if you haven't, even if you just want to watch the Chris Wolf part, because you've probably already watched it, go back and watch it, get an appreciation. There's the a lot of one... character work in that spot too. Like for eight seconds, they do fit a fair bit yeah. of story in there. And the other one is from the 2017 five-star Grand Prix. Uh, she had a main event match with Mayu Yutani. Um, that's a nice sprint. It's mm. a, it's a nice sprint main event spot for Chris. So obviously, you know, it, it's it's a little more serious you know i think there's a great comment on like cage match that's like this is like a match that if you had a bunch of gifts from it you would just be amazed because it's like <laughs> and i think gifable matches like especially with how the five star was back then compared to now hmm. if it's a fun sprint and you can get a bunch of spots in there they packed a lot in to i think the match was what seven seven fifty one they packed a lot in. Mm. It gives you Chris in a big match against someone you know, you know, Mayu Yutani. I think that's why I kind of want to give that one because it's less, it's not as comedic as the Hanukkah one with real meat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we you, love, you get to see more of the wrestling side of Chris yes. Wolf. Yes, which I think is just as important. But you want all of it. You, you got to yeah. get the full picture. My first match was kind of comedy because it's like, you know, she didn't, well, in it long, but she was always out there. You know, you can mm. watch, you kind of watch, and in, in a lot of ways, that is just again getting the feeling of a way to tie um, from that period too. And that was what was that twenty eighteen, so right before yep. she yeah. left. So there you go. It's a couple of good matches there and a good mix of things. The, the good thing is, if you are going back and watching Chris Wolf and getting an idea for her, there's no thirty minute epics that you really have to. No, you can Prepare watch a bunch of matches and it'll become yeah. 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, the good thing is, like, we've, we've all recommended mostly the singles matches, but you can really chuck on any multi-person oh, yeah. match from oh, yeah. 2017 with her in it and you get a good taste of her because, again, she was a role player. She was a bit of a larger hole yeah. that was that period of Oedo Tai. Oh, and they all work together wonderfully. You can go back and watch the earlier stuff as well, but I think it's 2017 when she just finds the right mix of her voice, it's in the right situation with Oedo Tai, and the wrestling has gotten to a point where it is quite entertaining to watch. And it's not a case of every time she tags in, you're going, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. It's it, it's entertaining. It's good yeah. to watch. Thankfully, you know, there's a great, like, the, the one of the best things about Star Wars, you can go to the year. And you mm. can pretty much just pick any show. Yeah. Pick the match, you know, she's in. It'll give you per Look for the Currican Halls, as yes. is what we always recommend yeah. if you're going back and watching around this time. Yes, look so for you Currican Halls. Feel of how the crowds reacted to her and yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And I think a lot of the time this is this is a personal thing. But I always wish wrestling um streaming services had a randomizer 
so that they could just give you like a random match it'd be so much yeah. easier you know just be like all right give me some give me some fun today what am i watching you know uh but pretty much do that with 2017 just go through a bunch of uh you know go through a bunch of events pick one you you'll be you'll have a good time you can search so just type in chris wolf in the search bar and you'll find her matches like it's it's a better system than say new japan where you can type a name in and you don't know what you're gonna get type yeah, chris wolf in the start you know what every getting. event in the history of new japan if you type in hiroshi tanahashi for example <laughs> so you know you can only do so much but yeah yes chris wolf go go see what uh she did in her time with stardom i think it's uh very much worth your time yeah, it's she was a fun character, and the fact is, like, I was looking at out of curiosity, I was doing a little bit of research, and I found a Reddit thread from last year, twenty twenty two, and it was just titled "Does anyone miss Chris Wolf?" And there's like twenty five, thirty comments, and everyone, even the people who weren't watching back then, who like yourself, had gone back and looked mm. at stuff. It's all just filled with like, oh yeah, I remember her. She was a lot of fun. Like everyone just has positive vibes and memories thinking about Chris Wolf when she was in stardom because yeah, she was a fun character. She knew her role and she played it to perfection. That's all you can ask for. Out of, yep. And it leaves again, an impact. I have a great role player like Chris yes. Wolf. Great role player. But uh, I guess that's it for stardom road this time mm-hmm. around. If uh, you like what you heard, it was a nice little five-star rating or if you liked what, most of what we heard for i guess four is okay but i prefer five i prefer no, no, five, if, five, if five star good, like the five. gp five yeah. star like the gp it's stardom world we need to have five stars you ruin the flow otherwise uh but uh trent do you have anything for the people to keep an eye out for ahead of i don't know our, our next episode <laughs> yeah look easiest thing is just to follow me on twitter slash x at one up culture uh anything i write will be posted there links and all of that jazz same with podcasts obviously like if you like scott and i we also have another podcast ocean cyclone show with ryan dilbert that's always a lot of fun and even though this is a stardom podcast i also do choco cast uh with wrestling uh, which i did allude to earlier and that is a bit of fun as well if you like the chris wolf character and you haven't found choco pro yet you know where you need to go chris wolf and Choco. that would have been perfect uh, that would have been too perfect almost. Um, but yes, uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me, follow me at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter slash X. I always think of like when we say the X thing now, it's like th- with this podcast, especially if anyone finds it like a few years down the road, what the hell is that thing going to be called? When, <laughs> when they, will it exist? There's many yeah. questions. There's many questions. Yeah. There might um, not be an X to find us on. Yeah, it, we might be. There might not be anything, but uh, yeah. be nothing. Either way. Up. Either way, um, content-wise, you know, lots of podcasts, stuff like that. Um, reviewing the five-star Grand Prix, if that floats your boat. Uh, maybe, maybe your years down the line, you just got into stardom, and you're like, "Oh, I want to, wa- I want to watch some five-star Grand Prix matches to really get into it from 2023." I got you covered. Those reviews are over on VoiceOfWrestling.com. I don't do every single show. I thankfully share them, but. But if you want some great Can you read reviews, Scott's reviews, yeah, read my reviews. Um, I review like I've reviewed both of the Cork and Hall shows, which are pretty big. Um, I reviewed the really good uh, KBS Hall show. Mm-hmm. Yes, Kyoto. yes, the yes, one with the stained glass. Yes, 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 which had some of the best matches. So I reviewed those. So I, I, I think you're covered there. You know, just uh, go check those out. No one else does reviews just me um and otherwise <laughs> yeah that's it that's it we'll be back next time it'll be for our october month mm-hmm. so i'm sure we'll have something creative there we have some ideas but we're not going to say them officially we don't know the order yet yeah uh yeah. once we know the order you'll you'll know because the episodes will be out you'll be listening um, to them but uh make sure you listen to the count out podcast network we have a lot of podcasts on there uh including your dose of death ring post radio those are well, ring post radio is my show actually so i feel you like you shut should... that out first no no uh, yeah if you want to listen to that i mean that's me talking about like everything else that isn't joshi which is a very unique twist on my usual <laughs> output um that show i just kind of say things don't really think about them um so maybe maybe that maybe that floats your boat but otherwise for trent i'm scott and this was the star road podcast right here on the count up po- you gonna say something 
No. Oh, it looked like you were going to say something. You completely <laughs> messed me up with my show closing. It was the cleanest show close I ever had, but it looked like you needed to say something. So I, I, I think, like, oh, I I think it was that. too clean for your own sake, so you're looking for an out. That's probably true. That's probably true. But for Trent, I'm Scott. Well. now. <sighs> All right. Bye, everybody. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan Knight and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network. This has been a Countout Podcast.